You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome in to Crunch Time here on a Tuesday afternoon. You're listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And you're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. It's still cold. In, in case in case you didn't know, playing playing the world's tiniest violin for you right now on, on the simulcast, which you can catch on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Bring in my producer and co-host, Mr. James Mesh. James, how are you, sir? I'm doing all right, and I really don't mind it. Even though it is kind of cold. I don't mind it either. I really like the cold. But here's my thing. When it gets wet. A, when it gets wet. But B, this first period where it's really cold, there's like an adjustment period. I, I got to get through like a week before I stop complaining about it. What really what really irks me is whenever you have it to where it gets really windy. Because oh, it's cold yeah. and windy. So then it's just so so it's Friday your face. So Friday is Shreveport. Yeah, when the high is twenty eight and the wind's going to be blowing at fifteen to twenty miles an hour. You may need to borrow that pair of headphones right there to cover your ears. <laughs> no, I'm gonna need more than just these headphones to cover my ears. I'm gonna have a beanie. I'm gonna put some hot hands on each of my earlobes. It's, it's I'm telling you, I, I'm gonna send you pictures of of you're the gonna, setup I'm gonna have. You're gonna duct tape the uh, the hot hands on your oh, ears. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. On my chest, on my shoulders, everywhere. All over the place. It's going to be absolutely incredible. You're ridiculous. Uh, We will talk more about that matchup in our number two. We're going to spend a lot of time on college football today with national or early signing day being tomorrow through Friday. Uh, We will look at LSU's recruiting class, who they expect to sign early, and who might be in for some surprises uh, on today's show. However, your poll question of the day, New Orleans Pelicans lost yet again last night. That makes four in a row. Are you worried? Should you be worried? If I'm honest, no, you shouldn't be. But if you are, I totally understand why you would be. So the uh, the poll question of the day is, are you concerned after the Pelicans' fourth consecutive loss? Yes, they're falling apart. Kinda, but not really. No, they'll be fine. So far, looking at the results, you do have two comments. One from Ton and one from John Paul. It's it's kind of funny, you know, looking at the results. 63.2% say that they'll be fine. 21% say kind of, but not really. And then 15% say that they're falling apart. Tan says their four losses in a row have been the teams who are projected playoff teams. That said, they need to figure out how to win on the road. I, I think they'll be okay, but they've got some adjusting to do. And I agree with that. This team has to learn how to win on the road, and they will. It, you, you look at it, C.J. McCollum and Zion Williamson hadn't really played together up until this season. Herb Jones and Zion Williamson hadn't really played together until this season. So they're still 
going through that adjustment period. And you're going to look, you're going to see a team over these next couple of weeks that play a lot of games at home between now and Christmas, I mean, New Year's Eve. They're going to play four games at home between now and next weekend, uh, which is huge. However, they're playing against good talent. So what I'm interested to see is how this team's going to gel through that five-game stretch that they're going to have on the road once the new year comes around, where you go at Dallas, at Washington, at Boston, at Detroit, at Cleveland. That's going to be a good test. Cleveland's turning it around with Donovan Mitchell there. Boston is the top team in the NBA right now. Dallas is always a tough test with Luka. Uh, Washington and and Detroit, eh, those are... Those are tune-up games. Take care of your business games. Technically, Milwaukee's now number are they, one. Are they the top team in the league now? They are technically now because they have one less loss, but that's also because they played one less game than Boston. Boston's still the best team in the league. I don't care what anybody says. I was going to say, you Boston's mentioned... the best team in the league. You mentioned that, but we also got a comment with Paul, with John Paul, saying that they have won the, t- the, the Pels, that is, going back to the poll question, saying that they have one of the toughest schedules... For the first one-third of the season, over 75% of the appointments have wing records, and they have lost only one game to a sub-500 team. Unlike the Celtics, who have played many bad teams, they will hit an easy stretch and make up ground. Which I, I don't disagree with that either. The Pelicans have had a really tough schedule, and the Celtics, not so much. However, if you look at the way the Celtics have played basketball, they are fantastic. I was going to say they've they've pretty much been taking care of business the whole time. You lose, they're fantastic. You lost twice to Cleveland early on the season, both in overtime. You lost to the Bulls twice, which kind of catches me off guard since you know the Bulls are only eleven and eighteen right now. Um, they they had a little rough. They've had they currently have a rough stretch as well, losing four of their last five. But two of them were the final two road games of a six-game road trip or five-game road trip no it was six because they won the first three lost to golden state lost to the clippers and then finished it uh beating los angeles being the lakers look that is I- I'm, I'm gonna say this you you look at the numbers for the celtics and i'm just this is just strictly points per game if you've got four players combining for 80 of your points per game you're a good team you're a good team. And guess what? Rob Williams didn't come back till two games ago. Correct. Now, for some reason, you the Celtics lost both times to the Magic. Don't know how that happened. Both in the Garden yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah but, uh, I mean, it kind of happens. Yeah. It's, but, it's an eight, it's an 82-game season. And when I mentioned it before, before Rob came back, I said, when Rob comes back, they're going to kind of have to be tinkering with some things, trying to figure it out all out again because – You've now implemented a new big piece. It's not like just somebody subtle that you maybe play a couple minutes a game. No, this is an all-NBA defensive player in Rob Williams Correct. that you are putting back in your lineup, and you now have to figure it out and get the chemistry back together. And, and that's why that's why I'm sitting here saying I don't think that it's a concern that the Pelicans are on a four-game skit. It's going to happen. No, because they've played some tough opponents. You, they've had to play the, the Suns. Three times now. Basketball is a game of runs, whether it's in a season or in a, or in a single game. And You're, it plays it plays a lot like the MLB season. Absolutely. 
You're gonna have you're gonna have eight game winning streaks, and then you're gonna have six game losing streaks. It just happens. That's basketball. The best teams find their way out of those losing skits. I was gonna say they maybe ha- ha- let them happen every once in a while. It happens because I mean it's just the way the ball rolls. But it's how are you able to respond and make sure that it doesn't consistently happen. Correct. Correct. The Pelicans will take the court tomorrow, or excuse me, Thursday night, at home against San Antonio, which it's crazy to look at the NBA and and think that the Spurs are one of the worst teams in the league. But I mean, ten and twenty, they are. Yeah, they're they're bad. They've moved on from a lot of talent. They did. Whether you lose Manu Ginobili or Tony Parker or Mister Fundamental. Like you lose your big pieces like that, and then once you kind of made that transition, you had Kawhi be like, "I I want to leave," and then you even had a oh guy for the Hawks now, what's his name? Ooh, other guard, Dejounte Murray. Dejounte Murray, there you go, there you go. He um, he was even pretty good, but, and, but he like obviously he he couldn't carry the team by himself. But like it it's just dropped a lot. When you're Podol, when, Podol's still pretty good as a center, but like. They they need a lot more. When your when your top players Keldon Johnson, you know you're struggling. And that's no knock on Keldon Johnson. He's a good athlete. He's a good player, but he's not a star. But when that's your guy, that's a problem. If that was like your fourth piece, sure, you're sitting pretty. Sure, but your number Sixth one man maybe. Sure, but your number one, yeah, uh, your your go to guy to get you 21 points a game. Yikes. That is you uh, could, you could even work with it if if he was your number your number 3 guy, your third scoring option, you could work with that. So James, look going back to to the Pelicans, you know, Zion Williamson has had such a monster season. He didn't have a great game last night. No, but someone who did on the Pels, Jonas, the big man, Valanciunas. Oh. Dude was lighting it up from 3. He made 6 of them in the first half. And he and he was the first he he put he made back to back in the first minute of the game. I was like, "Oh, okay, what's going on?" Big big man shooting, and, and you and you love to see it because you seen his, if you've ever seen his shooting form and you, and you watch the game, it's so funny because he has his feet together. His, oh, his shot's so weird. His knees are pretty much locked in together. It's so weird. And then he kind of has that kind of like that catapult launch over his head. It's so funny. Yeah, his his shot is incredibly weird. But you know, you you look at Zion's numbers last night: eighteen point seven rebounds, seven assists. Solid. You would have probably liked a little more points out of him, but eighteen seven and seven, and then you also added three steals. the The thing that sticks out is the five turnovers. That's a problem. Or the six turnovers Saturday against Phoenix. It's clear that early on in this season, Zion's got a little bit of a little bit of a turnover problem. And uh, the, the Pelicans are going to have to address that going down the stretch because you can't have your, your superstar big man turn the ball over five times in the postseason. Just can't. That's how you lose games, and that's how you lose playoff series. So the, the Pelicans are definitely going to have to address that heading down the back stretch. While we're on the subject of the NBA, some big news today. Billionaire mortgage investor Matt Ishba has finalized a deal to purchase 
both the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury for $4 billion. The deal will end the tumultuous tenure of owner Robert Sarver. And what's going to be interesting is that he is bringing his brother on board to make a, quote, significant investment and serve as alternate governor of the team. You know what they say, never do business with your family. So that'll be interesting. James, could you do business with your family? Depends on the member. One of your sisters. Depends on which one. <laughs> Depends I'll tell you, on which sister. I got I'll, three of them to choose from. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. I love my brother. Could never go to business with him. Ever. Ever. No. No. We we, we fight on a random Monday. I definitely don't want to be a business partner with him. No. You just lost your Christmas gift. I think it'll be okay. <laughs> I, think, I think I'll live. I think it'll be okay. I think I think my I think my Christmas gift is uh, is pretty well intact. But uh, 4:30 today, Alex Anstead of Saturday Down South will join us. We'll talk about the new coaching hires in college football and how they can shake up the landscape. We're going to talk about the bowl games up until this point, how the transfer portal has gotten out of hand and look ahead to some of the bigger bowl games down the backstretch. And then at 5.30, the radio voice of the Houston Cougars, Kevin Aschenfelter, will join us. He is, like I said, the radio guy for the University of Houston. He will join us to preview the Cougars ahead of the matchup with the Cajuns on Friday up in Shreveport, a team that was projected to win the American in preseason, finishing 7-5. and five. We'll talk about where he thought things may have gone wrong for the Cougars and, and what you can expect if you're heading to the game in Shreveport on Friday. But before we take a timeout, let's go to the hotline. Martin, what's up? Hey, buddy. Uh, while y'all on, uh, you know, the topic of the NBA, mm-hmm. uh, I was watching uh, ESPN yesterday, you know, and like always, the Lakers get the, the attention or whatever. Well, and uh, they were talking about how, you know, it, it the whole AD thing, you think this guy gets traded at the trade deadline because you, you almost can't expect that this is what you're going to get. Street clothes, Anthony Davis. You know, I mean, he's always hurt. The man's always hurt. You know, and if they do trade him, well, who do you think would be some uh, teams that would be interested in him? And another question, uh, isn't it eerily funny how – you know, since LeBron gets all the credit, you know, whatever, he's the GOAT, he's better than Michael Jordan, which I don't think he is because I'm a huge Jordan fan. But isn't it funny how every team that he leads does better without him? Miami, Cleveland. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, but this guy's the GOAT and all this kind of stuff. And But that's all wait, I, wait, I really hold on. to say. And, uh but uh, another stat I've seen, too, I don't know if you've seen it on Facebook, um, going back to the uh, uh, the World Cup and all that, the last four players to win the World Cup, they all played for Paris, uh, St. Germain. You know, Messi signs with St. Germain, mm-hmm. wins the World Cup the year after. Mbappe signs with St. Germain. I don't know if you've seen that stat or yeah, whatnot. I but, have. Uh, 
I thought it was pretty pretty neat. But anyway, so wait, I appreciate y'all but, taking my call. Y'all have a Merry Christmas. Before appreciate you, Martin. So let me let me make sure that that I have this correct. Yeah, because he he talked about LeBron, right? So I think what Martin said was that every team that LeBron left got better. Got better. When in reality, when you got Miami, as much as I cannot stand LeBron James, I disagree with that statement wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Because it Miami didn't really become like relevant and like someone that could potentially make a deep run in the playoffs and potentially win Miami, until 2019. Miami struggled immensely for years. So 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018 took right. four, four years, years for Miami to start getting like really good again. Cleveland. And then Cleveland. The only reason they're good is they've had multiple top 10 picks. One of them in Colin Sexton, they traded away to get Donovan Mitchell. And now they have and they had they had to retool and regroup right. because LeBron took so much away. Like you have to go through a rebuilding process if you take in LeBron. Cleveland had to do it the first time. Yep. Miami had to had to hit the hard reset button pretty much. So did Cleveland once again. And now it's going to be interesting to see what Los Angeles does with that. I don't think that they would trade Anthony Davis, though. Because even though we talk about how he's always in street clothes, he's been relatively healthy until just Recently. the other day. Yeah. Like, now he was putting up numbers throughout the season. Now let's talk about this. Say they do trade Anthony Davis. Wouldn't it be funny? That they trade him away while we're still, as the Pelicans, still reaping the benefits of that trade? Yeah, because you still get... That would be hysterical. Because like you'll get somebody else's pick, but it's not like the Pelicans are going to be like, you can have your pick back. We'll right. take Anthony Davis. No. No. <laughs> no. No shot. No shot, no prayer. No. No. The the second he that's walked your in, issue. The second he walked into the arena his last night in New Orleans wearing a That's All Folks t-shirt... I never want to see him in a Pelicans uniform again. Nope, not going to happen. The biggest names in today's music taking over Gulf Shores, Alabama in 2023 with Hangout Fest returning May 19th to the 21st. The Red Hot Chili Peppers, Calvin Harris, Paramore, Little Nas X, and more. And the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to give you VIP passes to hang out. Just enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. To get exclusive access to viewing areas, stage side pools, hot tubs, and gourmet food. Hangout Fest is a beach vacation like none other. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We're going to take a timeout here. And when we return on Crunch Time, James and I will dive a little bit deeper into the NBA look at the Memphis Grizzlies and and how they are taking the NBA by storm. And it's surprising a lot of people. Right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number one. Remember to actually leave milk and cookies for Santa and not some hipster healthy option. The big fella is holly and jolly for a reason. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. 
Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You better leave milk and cookies for Santa. Because here's the thing. Me and Santa are homies. And, I mean, milk, milk and cookies, it's the best. Welcome back to Crunch Time, 25 after the hour. Let's go quickly now to the hotline. Darren, what's going on? What's happening? Now, let me ask you so. Who, who who do you think won the Lakers Pelicans trade? I think the Pelicans a, won that a, by a, a mile. Moment. The Pelicans by a mile. By a mile. Well, I, I I say the Lakers won that because at the end of the day we got a championship out out of the deal. You know, yeah. and and because I, I'll say this, y'all y'all saying Anthony Davis stays injured, so, so does Zion Williams. How many games have he played in his whole career out of three years? Now about a little over 100. Now, even if we trade Anthony Davis, I mean, I'll take a championship over anything. You, 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 know, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, but I, one... Y'all could keep the picks. I, I, I mean, I guess. I, I get what you're saying. Um, I mean, the the championship is obviously everybody's goal, and and the Lakers succeeded in that. But my my thing is, you know, looking long term, the the Pelicans are going to be better set up from that deal than than the Lakers will be. I mean, y'all still have to draft right. You understand what I'm saying? It's not guaranteed y'all going to hit on on each one of those picks. Well, of of course, but I. Again, I'm a fan of long term. The the Pelicans are going to be more set up long term with with that deal, especially if you draft right. Which the last couple of years, outside of a pick or two, the the Pelicans have done pretty well. Well, well, say if we trade Anthony Davis and get and flip him and get another superstar player, what, what do you say about that now? What superstar player would you get in an Anthony Davis trade? I'm I'm just saying any superstar player. Just, just, just in general. I mean, it, it would depend on the player. Yeah, you're right about that too. And, yeah. and the other guy talking about every team LeBron James left, the team has gotten better. I mean, what Cleveland did the first time after he left, and what Miami did ever since he left. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> until that's what uh, we were hitting on. Until Miami got Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero, I mean, they were they were struggling. And, and another thing, let me ask you, you guys this: so Jordan or LeBron? Jordan. Why? Because he made everybody around him better. So did so did LeBron. I I disagree with that. Well, I I'll tell you this: I I take LeBron over Jordan any day. Most people go by the championships. When I have this argument with people, but I I I'll take. Going to ten times over six. You Fair know, enough. That, that, that's one argument people made. Plus the, the scoring that, that LeBron brings to the table, assists. He, he's an all-around player. Rebounding. I mean, he, he does everything. He, he he wins everywhere he goes. Fair I enough. Mean, Fair enough. Appreciate the call, Darren. All right. Thank you. And the the other big thing with the LeBron Jordan debate, it's really hard to compare that. I mean, yeah, you, you can sit there and look at the numbers, 
and, and say, oh, well, you know, LeBron scores more points. LeBron went to the finals more times, you know, so on and so forth. Play, played in completely different eras of basketball. The game changed immensely from 95, 96 to 05, 06. That 10-year span, the game changed completely. And then since 2014. It's, it's changed even more. The, the basketball that you play today in the NBA is immensely different than what was played 25, 30 years ago. So it's really hard to have that conversation. Uh, I, I get why people want to have that conversation because they're the two greatest to ever do it. Because it's, it's always interesting. Jordan averaged 30 points a game in his career, and that was with less than two three-point attempts a game. Correct. Jordan was the man. Jordan was like the that's, man. Like, that's such a crazy statistic to look at. Jordan, the the things that, that Michael Jordan was able to do on a basket. Now, don't get me wrong. LeBron James is a freak athlete. And like Darren said, he does a lot of things well. He passes the ball. He's a great scorer. He's a great defender. All of it. Not Michael's just different. It, it's just different. The, the way Michael was able to transcend the game of basketball in an era where it was a lot more physical, there was a lot more contact, and the refs called a lot less fouls, for him to do what he did was immensely, immensely impressive. If you were looking for great stocking stuffers for the holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to get some excellent prizes, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. Sign up today. We'll take a timeout. Alex Anstead from Saturday Down South joins us next here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 12. Use caution when adding bourbon to your eggnog. Everyone likes a good time, but no one wants to see you have a pants down, face down in the yard good time. Okay? This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Look, you put bourbon in my eggnog. It might be a pretty good time. I don't even know that I like eggnog. I was going to say, but you're not even totally sure if you've ever had eggnog. But here, I mean, everything's good with bourbon in it. Everything's good with bourbon in it. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 37. After the hour, college football has been insane for the last couple of months. It's about to get a whole lot crazier tomorrow. With early signing period, Alex Anstead of Saturday Down South joins us on the game hotline. Alex, good afternoon, sir. How are you? 
Hey, I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, doing well, man. Doing well. A uh, little, little chilly down here in South Louisiana, but we're good. Um, you know, looking at college football so far, you know, just really in the last couple of weeks, new coaching hires have really changed the landscape of, of what you're going to see in college football next year and even into 2024 uh, with Deion Sanders going to Colorado, Scott Satterfield going to Cincinnati, Hugh Freeze coming back to the SEC and going to Auburn. You know, in, in your opinion, how does that change college football? Does it change it for the better? You know, I think yes and no. I think some guys will definitely change it for the better. I love what Deion Sanders does. Um, he's probably going to go right in there and obviously win more than one game like they did this year. But it's one of those things where it's cool to see guys, you know, like Jeff Brown go back to Louisville where he's an alum. So I, I like that kind of thing. But there's also things where there is some, you know, some NIL money being thrown around from some of these new coaches that, you know, is, is bringing in these players to places that they probably wouldn't even touch without those offers of money. So that's a whole different topic, obviously. But I think overall it's going to be good. I think there's going to need to be some rules within the transfer portal put in. It's a little bit too much free-for-all with money, NIL, transfer portal right now, in my opinion. Yeah, I read something earlier that said a couple schools were offering Drake May upwards of $5 million to transfer. That's insane. That's It's free agency at that point. Yeah, that's that's not that's I think where we get to a problem where it's like bidding on players. I think that's it's not a good thing, especially when a guy's not even in the transfer portal. Right, right. Um, before we get to the, the transfer portal, because like like we just said, it's clearly gotten out of hand. The bowl games up until this point have been fairly entertaining so far. Yeah, they they have. Um, I wouldn't say I would say surprisingly, but bowl season's always crazy in my opinion. And I think from where we're at, I think we have a lot of more a lot more intriguing matchups on the way. In fact, Missouri Wake Forest I think is on Friday. That's pretty interesting for an early on bowl game. You have two major conferences playing. Um, I know Louisiana plays Houston here soon. That's going to be really good. Um, two schools that really could use that extra win. So yeah, I, I would agree. It's been awesome to see you know these teams still caring about bowl games so you know going back to the transfer portal quickly before we get to early signing period we, we talked about how it's gotten out of hand kind of becoming like free agency in in your opinion alex is there a spot where the ncaa can sit down and maybe remedy the situation and, and kind of pull back the reins a little bit yeah, I think there there could be, and I've also heard some things where conferences are going to come into play and they're going to start regulating some of this stuff, which um, I think once they start regulating this, it's going to look a lot different. It's not going to be all this free-for-all. There's going to be rules. You already see there's rules behind the transfer portal when you can enter now unless you're a grad student and you can go whenever, but that has changed it a little bit. But I think there's going to be more regulations put into place, especially regarding the tampering, which you guys talked about with Drake May. That, that's going to be a major issue if they don't solve that. Going to early signing period starting tomorrow through Friday, Alabama, Georgia, Miami, and Texas leading the charge with, with the top classes in college football. I did see last night that Dante Moore has flipped his commitment from Oregon to UCLA. 
Are there any other big names that you might be looking out for, thinking they might flip over the next couple of days? Um, I'm not completely sure as far as that kind of thing. Um, that's always a surprise to me, to be honest. Um, I, I know there's some. I know of some schools that'll probably, if there's going to be anyone flipping, it's going to be most likely to some of those schools that you mentioned at the top, the ones with big NIL money. Um, but nobody in particular comes to name. I know. USC is expecting a really big signing day as well. Georgia is another team that is. And I'm, I want to go on a limb and say LSU is going to make a big impact as, as well tomorrow. Yeah, Aaron, getting Aaron Anderson back in Louisiana after he transferred out of Alabama is going to pay dividends, and then they're going to beef up the offensive line and a couple other key positions. So the Tigers definitely looking to uh, to make a splash with early signing period. One team talking about bowl games again one one team that really didn't make a splash in their bowl game was Florida over the weekend losing 30 to 3 to Oregon State yeah that that one was i would say it's interesting but i wasn't really surprised um we obviously cover sec content over at Saturday down south but this was one i think we all expected they had a bunch of opt outs they were down to maybe one or quarterbacks they could even use at this point. They had a lot of issues with quarterbacks outside of Anthony Richardson, obviously. But, yeah, it wasn't good to say the least. I don't. I still don't understand why Oregon State was in that game. I think they deserved a better bowl game. That's just me. It makes sense. I think if they played full strength, that would have been a great game. Just like we saw with Utah and Florida early in the year. That could have been awesome. But, unfortunately, with some of these opt-outs, you know, the team you know, that has a stronger foundation is probably going to win the game. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Chatting with Alex Anstead of Saturday down south. Uh, Mike Leach has obviously taken over the headlines over the last couple of days after his passing last week. Mississippi State announced that they will play in the ReliaQuest Bowl. What are your thoughts on them choosing to play uh, after their head coach suddenly passed away? No, yeah, I think that's awesome. I saw a quote where it said, Mike Leach would be pissed if we didn't play, so... I think it's a great, a great idea to play. Um, he definitely would love it. And they also said how you know it's being played in a pirate ship, so it's literally perfect for the pirate, Mike Leach himself. Um, I think he would definitely like them to play, and I think they're going to be playing for him, obviously. So it's a good matchup with Illinois as well. So that I think a lot of people are going to be rooting for Mississippi State. Yeah, I mean, with, with, with that kind of story, how how do you not right? Right, absolutely. Uh, another SEC game that that we're looking out for is, is the LSU Tigers playing Purdue in the Citrus Bowl after New Year's. Uh, Purdue going to be without their star quarterback in Aiden O'Connell, as well as two of their top pass catchers. Uh, Brian Kelly needs the, this bowl win to get to ten wins in his first year in Baton Rouge. What are your thoughts on that game? Yeah, no, I thought this was going to be one of the early best non-New Year's Six Bowl games and until the opt-outs, obviously, with Aiden O'Connell at Purdue and some of their receivers. It's going to be, and without their head coach, Jeff Brom, it's a completely different game now, in my opinion. I think LSU will most likely roll. Um, I think they were going to win regardless, but it could have been a really good game, honestly, at full strength. It's kind of a shame, but it'll be cool to see Jaden Daniels back and you know playing, leading into next year, and Brian Kelly looking for that 10th win. Looking at some other SEC matchups, Bama in the Sugar Bowl, Tennessee's in the Orange Bowl, obviously Georgia playing for yet another national championship. 
Who else in the SEC are you really keeping a close eye on in bowl season and beyond? I think still Ole Miss and South Carolina are two to look at. Um, South Carolina plays Notre Dame. And in Orlando, that's going to be a really good game. Actually, I think it's in Jacksonville. Um, but, yeah, that's that's going to be a really cool one to see. I think Beamer's doing a really good job over at South Carolina. I think Notre Dame, it's kind of a must-win for them with their new coach as well, Marcus Freeman. He needs that ninth win. Um, so that'll be a really interesting one, I think. I think South Carolina's on, on the right track. And as well as Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin deciding to stay at Ole Miss. Should be interesting to see how they do. I believe they have – I don't know of any opt-outs. I think they're going to be at full strength. Their bowl game against Texas Tech, that should be really high-scoring and entertaining. So that's another program I look at. You know, in the transfer portal, they can do some damage, as you know, with Lane Kiffin. So those are really the two outside of those, outside of those big-time programs. Thoughts on Devin Leary transferring from NC State to Kentucky. Outcomes Will Levis and, you know, Mark Stoops finds – his his QB in Devin Leary. Yeah, I think it's a really good move on Kentucky's part. I was honestly a little surprised on Devin Leary's part because I was thinking more of the ends of I was honestly assuming Alabama teams like Alabama, Georgia may be looking for a new quarterback with theirs their guys most likely departing. Um, but I think it's one of those things where those schools aren't completely sure yet. They have bowl games to kind of see what they're going to do. Um, they also have five stars on five stars, you know, ready to take over. So I, I think he took that that spot because, you know, there's a spot to go right in and play. There's no competition. He's already very valid to be the starting quarterback at most schools. So I'm honestly more surprised that he didn't go to the NFL draft, if anything. But I think it's going to be a good fit. Wrapping up with Alex Anstead of Saturday Down South, who wins the national championship? Does Georgia repeat? Um, I, I would say that's the safe bet at this point, but it's a little more interesting, I'd say, this year. Um, you have those two Big Ten teams that both can do damage. Ohio State's not a four seed. You really want to play, in my opinion, just because of all the talent and offensive firepower. So that's no gimme. And then beating Michigan or TCU won't be easy. I think it'll come down to Georgia-Michigan in a closer game than last year, but I would assume Georgia wins. But uh, either way, I think it's going to be a really good matchup. Alex Anstead of Saturday Down South joining us here on the Game Hotline. Alex, appreciate you taking the time. Have a Merry Christmas to you and your family, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's always fun. Merry Christmas to you guys. And there he goes, Alex Anstead of Saturday Down South. We'll take a timeout, wrap up our number one on the other side, right here on the Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion, Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 24. Do not buy your wonderful wife a mixer or knife set or any other kitchen item. Since she puts up with you all year, she deserves jewelry, you filthy animal. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time right now. Wrapping up hour number one, 452 right now. I was originally going to just make fun of Matt Ryan for blowing yet another lead over last weekend. But we got some big news when we were talking to Alex Onstead just before the break. Cesar Ruiz has been put on IR, so his season is 
done. Woof. Another huge hit to the Saints. Because we had been talking about how this was just such a bad pick since 2020. Because it was. But he actually improved over the year. Like Still he, a bad pick. He looked good in 2022, and now he's shut down. Like, does it impact as much since the Saints are 5-9? and nine, And even though they are one game out of being in first place in the NFC South, they still only have a 4% chance of making the playoffs. It's a lovely time to be a Saints fan, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's absolutely every team, Every team and fan base has their highs and lows. But no, look, I'll say this. I've been impressed with Cesar Ruiz this year. I still think it was a bad pick. I still think you would have been better suited addressing your quarterback issue in that first round. People can say what they want about Jordan Love. I think if Sean Payton would have groomed him, you could have had a franchise guy in a guy like Jordan Love. In today's NFL, where quarterbacks are becoming more mobile, you could have had a, a, a guy. It would have taken time. There there would have been a, a development schedule. But long term, I think it would have been better suited drafting Jordan Love in that scenario. Yeah, because the kid's in his third year at this point, and just now you're kind of looking at him because you looked at how he played against the Eagles in, in those two quarters because Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers got injured. You're like, it's actually not looking too bad. And people are going to see that in a couple of years when he takes over in Green Bay. People are going to realize that you know the, the the Saints would have been better suited. And again, not knocking Caesar Ruiz, he's done some good things. He's starting to get better. But again, you you could have gotten a, a vet on the free agent market to go play O line. You could have gotten an O lineman in the second or third round that I think would have done just as good, if not maybe even better. I don't know. You know another you know another quarterback that went in the twenty twenty draft that is doing really well right now for himself? After the Saints picked? Yeah. Like the Saints passed on him who? Uh it was in the second round. And this at the time was a pick and a player that people were kind of confused about because they projected him more in the third round, fourth round, kind of probably a day three guy you would expect, like probably the fourth round. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, that's true. He was a third-round pick that year, wasn't he? Second. He was a second-round pick. That That's true. Man, could you imagine Jalen Hurts and Chris Olave together? Oh, man, that would be incredible. That would be absolutely unreal. But no, uh, Matt Ryan, I mean, what what a guy. What a guy. I, I saw a picture earlier today where with Matt Ryan, he would probably have the accomplishments of Messi. He if, has if 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 the NFL only played three quarters. He has now quarterbacked the two biggest choke jobs the NFL has ever seen. So I'm I'm gonna go over it really quickly because <laughs> I, I, I saw it as like a little bit of a slideshow. So He's been on the losing end of the biggest blowouts in international game history, regular season history, NFC championship game history, and Super Bowl history. That's absolutely incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Blue leads in games in the Super Bowl. Blew a 30-20 lead with 
less than six minutes to go against the Chargers in 2015. Yep. I remember that game. Lost a game where they led 17-0 to against the Dolphins yep. early in the third quarter. Had that 15-point lead with five minutes left against the Cowboys in 2020. Had a 16-point lead in 2020 against the Bears with six minutes to go. Had a 17-point lead against the Buccaneers in 2020 with four and a half to go left in the third. And then, of course, that 33-point lead at halftime against... On Saturday. The Vikings on Saturday. Beautiful. That's just... Chew clock is a thing. Couldn't, couldn't, have, couldn't have happened to a better person. <laughs> Could not have happened to a better person. Hour number one, just about in the books. Hour number two, we're going to talk about LSU's recruiting class. We're going to talk about some big news that just came out in the MLB. And preview the Houston Cougars as they take on the Raging Cajuns. Right here on the game, it's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the Citrus Bowl-bound LSU Tigers, world champion Houston Astros. Much more crunch time right after this top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Rocking into hour number two here on Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. You're listening to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. In hour number one, we spent some time talking about the New Orleans Pelicans. Losers of their last four. How do they get back on track? Are you worried about them? We'll get to the poll question here in just a second. We also talked college football with Alex Anstead. Talked about the transfer portal and early signing period, which begins tomorrow and much more. Game hotlines 337-706-0111. And as a reminder, here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Looking at the poll question, are you worried about the Pelicans after their fourth straight loss? 57% say no, they'll be fine. 19% say kind of, but not really. And then 24% say yes, they're falling apart. Moving in into the MLB realm, Carlos Correa signed a massive deal with the San Francisco Giants. However, when you sign a free agent contract, the verbiage is is what? Such and such player has signed a such and such year deal for such and such million dollars pending a physical the San Francisco Giants have announced that they are postponing Carlos Correa's introductory press conference after a medical concern was flagged during his physical. James, would this be... So obviously deals have, have been X'd out before because of physical issues, but this has to be the biggest one we've seen in a long time. I was going to say in a while because usually physical is like, you just get it done. Like it's not something usually that kind of hinders you. That is it is a 13-year, 350 million dollar deal 
that could just be poof. X'd. It's gone. Just gone. And then what does Carlos Correa do? Because most teams will have already filled their voids by that point. I mean, somebody's going to take him. It's Carlos Correa. But depending on what the medical issue is, how, how serious is it? Because that could certainly change things. Uh, another top story that is just, I, I find, incredibly interesting. The Argentina national team had their World Cup parade today. There were so many people on the streets of Buenos Aires that they had to transport the soccer players from the buses that they were on to helicopters because the streets were so jam-packed with people, the buses could not travel any further. How insane is that? Instead of a parade, it became a flyover because the players just leaned out of the helicopter and and waved to everybody. Imagine telling that to your your grandkids, like, hey. What uh, if the World Cup trophy just tumbled out? Oh, oh, don't say that. Oof. Because, like, (laughs) you're talking to your grandkids and you're like, man, when I used to play football for our country, we won it and then we got to the championship parade like we had a celebration back here and the, sh- the streets were just so flooded that we ended up having to take a helicopter no they had to they had to fly us out of there like I'm, that's, imagine telling that that's insane that's so crazy some some of the pictures i saw of the crowd as cool of a moment as it would be to like be at the parade I don't know that I'd have made it. There were so many people. Like how? How do you move? How do you breathe? People just huddled around you. Uh uh-uh. uh. To I, I get I get weirded out in an elevator. A million people? Uh uh-uh. uh. Nope. Couldn't do it. You know what? You kind of brought up the conversation at the end of the first hour. Hmm? Talking about who, or this was this was during the break in between mm-hmm. us transitioning to hour number two, and you were kind of like asking like who was last year or 2021's first round pick for the Saints, yeah. And I it was Peyton Turner, and which is another terrible first round pick, but go on, which which has been pretty lackluster so far to say the least. But it, it intrigued me to see like what are some of the Saints' biggest needs right now and. What if they had filled that position with, you know, some other players that had popped up later in that draft? Because instead of going with Peyton Turner, who who are some of the big names the Saints passed on? I'm I was strictly just looking at running back in general since well, that, and that's Saints fair. could release a new running back, and I was looking at the 2021 draft. It was like Saints had picked Peyton Turner with the 28th pick, correct? And with pick 35, seven picks later, instead of going. With that edge rusher, or that defensive lineman, however you want to classify him, they could have gone and got Javante Williams, huh? Out of North Carolina, huh. and I love and I loved Javante's fantastic. Javante. The only thing that sucks is obviously he tore his ACL really early on in the season. Looking at other running backs, who was it? 
One of them was Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre Stevenson. In the fifth round with the Patriots. Correct. Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell. Now, I'm not saying I'd have drafted Eli in the first round. But Correct. No, but I'm I'm still looking at players that they missed out on where it's like, yeah. It would have been cool if you picked him. Even Michael Carter. Yeah. Like, he's a solid number, really nice number two back who's only 23 playing with the Jets. Yep. Absolutely. It, running back just seems like it's a so secondary position for the Saints in terms of drafting, like draft philosophy. It seems like a secondary position. Well, also, you don't want to draft running backs too, too high. Well, of course, because they're a dime a dozen, most of them. Because I was going to say, they're the most replaceable position. But I almost feel like in 2017, the Saints drafted Alvin Kamara in the third round because he was there. Well, they traded up. He was a first-round talent, but a lot, of the, a lot of the scouts and other people around the league and people doing drafts were looking at it as like, Kamara is not going to be a first-rounder, like a high second-rounder. Because of they didn't like of kind of like how he approached himself, right? I guess you could say, kind of like they didn't necessarily like how he looked. They didn't like that he had the bowl ring. But whenever he had talked with the Saints, Saints were like, "I don't care, just just why, do why, you on the field, just run, just go crazy on the field." Yep, I don't care what you look like. And that I mean that's kind of the way it should be, right? Correct. Um, that's definitely how it should be. You shouldn't have to necessarily worry about some piercings that they wear. But you look at the, the the Saints' draft history, it just feels to me like they don't pick running backs very often. No, because you've seen them be successful with guys that were undrafted. I can I can think Pierre of, Thomas. I can remember two. Kyrie Robinson was really nice back for a few years. I really liked what he did. Three. I can remember three running backs of the Saints drafted. Javaris Cadet was. Another one that was undrafted that was pretty serviceable for a few years. Reggie? Yeah. Ingram? Reggie was the number two pick? Correct. In 2006. Correct. Ingram? Mm-hmm. Come here. It's the only three running backs I can remember the Saints drafting in my lifetime. That that made an impact to where you remember it, right? Yeah, because they, they had other guys... Uh, every other oh, who every is, other big name running back that the Saints have had in that time span has either been undrafted or a free agent pickup. Because Darren Sproles, you talked about Pierre Thomas, Kyrie Robinson, Chris Ivory, even oh Chris Ivory, oh man, you had a lot of good running backs that were just diamonds in the rough that you developed. My my question kind of becomes. You forgot what? about Mark Ingram since he was a first round pick. I said Mark Ingram. Oh, you did say Mark. Yeah, Ingram? I said Mark I didn't, Ingram. I didn't hear you say that one. Um, my my question becomes, what's changed? You went you went through a you went through a nice spell of getting undrafted guys and free agents and developing them into what you want. What changed? Why is why is there no running backs behind Alvin Kamara now? You relied on Mark Ingram, who is obviously taking a step back, and at this point, it's That's done. an understatement. But continue. And now that you have one back that can do what three backs do, you rely on them a lot more. So it's like 
they put all their eggs into one basket where so they they switched their whole idea they switched their whole ideology they used to be about make a rotation constantly cuz you got fresh legs constantly but now that you have the guy that can do all the do everything at once it's like got to pay him and now that you paid him you got to have him on the field yep so it's like you got so much invested into one guy in the one position you don't put as much effort into getting a second third fourth guy and they've also leaned towards having that number four guy and sometimes even the number three as well so just be predominantly special teams like look at Dwayne Washington for sure for sure but you know I, I'm looking at the the future just just look at next year who's gonna play running back behind Alvin Kamara because unless something crazy happens in the offseason James I can't even envision a free agent becoming available. One that would be worth signing. Again, crazy things happen in the offseason every year, but just looking at it right now, who's going to line up behind Alvin Kamara? The fact that we don't know the answer to that question, to me, is concerning. Well, here's the thing. You did get Eno Benjamin. You don't know exactly what's going to come of that. But if you're looking at just guys that are going to be free agents, Saquon, he's going to be a free agent, but Giants are probably going to pay him. Giants are going to probably pay him. That's going to kind of bite the Giants, more likely not, in the long term, which hit year three and four. Uh, Deontay Foreman of the Panthers. Okay, that's interesting. Damian Harris of the Patriots. Mm. Yeah, but you're not asking these guys to be lead backs. That's Them being secondary backs makes it easier to congest and actually consume. Being like, I could work with this. That's fair. That's fair. Daryl Henderson, he's okay. been ba- he's bounced around a couple times now. He was with the Rams earlier in the year, and then he was with the Jags. Kareem Hunt. See, I- I've been calling for the Saints to go get Kareem Hunt for a year now. You gonna lean on a big two back system? Which I I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind it at all. I wouldn't mind it, but it it just kind of depends. Well, now you got some. The only reason that you want a second back is we talked about this yesterday. Kamara's got a stamina problem. Mm-hmm. When Kamara needs a breather. And then the fact that he goes out so much, which is why he avoids the big hits and why you see him right. go out of bounds is so he doesn't take these big hits and so he can last longer. I don't care if it's a similar back to Kamara that you get. Just a back. Just You, you just need a body. You need a good player to complement Alvin Kamara. If it's Kareem Hunt and, and they're both... You know, very similar styles, that's fine. I would prefer you have the elusive shifty back and then a bruiser like they did with with Ingram and Kamara a couple years ago. But it's not one of those things where, oh, it has to be a a ground and pound back. I'm just looking for a guy that when Kamara needs to step out, the running back productivity doesn't plateau because right now I mean Eno Benjamin is still young in, in his career and right now he, he, st- he, I mean, he still hasn't played for the Saints yet you've got Dwayne Washington who been pretty lackluster who, who else you know, you're really struggling at at the running back position behind Alvin Kamara, and and for years, 
that was a strong suit for the Saints. And I know Sean Payton's not the head coach anymore, and that's fine. I'm just wondering what changed. Why did running back become so much less of a focus for the Saints than it was? Because again, you had Pierre Thomas, you had Kyrie Robinson, you had Chris Chris Ivory, Darren Sproles. You always had a consistent back in the backfield. And now you have Alvin Kamara, which he's a top talent in the league. Nobody's going to deny that. But if you have a running back like Alvin Kamara that has a stamina problem, you need to have a one-two punch, and the Saints don't. They it, thought they could lean on it a little bit more with Boom and Zoom, but obviously Boom is is boomed out. Not not booming anymore. <laughs> he, he's he's he no longer booms. And then you put you put way too many eggs in the basket of Abram Smith that just didn't work out. And I mean that happened. You you take that risk sometimes, and sometimes it doesn't pay off. But man, they the 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 Saints hyped that guy up. Oh, we're we're signing him to a three hundred thousand dollar undrafted free agent deal. He's gonna be the the third running back. Blah blah blah. And he never played a regular season snap for the team. Think about that. That was a brutal mistake. And again, they happen. I'm not going to say that they don't. But you have to figure out ways to remedy that situation sooner rather than later when you make those mistakes. And I feel like the Saints have struggled to do that in, in 2022. You can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. It's nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Listen live at lachristmaschannel.com or download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices. And you can even listen on your Amazon Alexa. Listen to some holiday cheer with Delta Media's Louisiana Christmas Channel. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time when we return. James and I will do a deep dive into LSU's recruiting class ahead of early signing period kicking off tomorrow right here on the game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. Helpful holiday tip number 36. Your precious little ones should receive a few boxes of boring clothes under the tree. Yeah, they'll surely be disappointed, but that helps build character. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 523. Talking about Saints running backs that they have drafted. Certainly did not forget Deuce McAllister, uh, who was drafted in the first round in 2001. It's just that when we were having that discussion, it was going back to earliest memory. My earliest memory of Deuce McAllister is he was already three years into his career with the Saints. So... Certainly didn't forget Deuce. I mean, it's kind of impossible to forget Deuce. Greatest Saints running back ever. For now, at least. Kamara's closing in on every single one of his records. Um, But back here on Crunch Time, some breaking news from the LSU Tigers. Defensive tackle Jaquelin Roy has declared for the NFL draft. 
It does not say that he will miss the bowl game. But he is declaring for the draft. Because here's the thing. You can declare for the draft, but as long as you don't get an agent, you can still play in the bowl game. You still have your eligibility. If he signs an agent, he foregoes his eligibility. So the the key here is, did he sign an agent when declaring for the NFL draft? That will determine whether he can play for the Tigers in the Citrus Bowl. Let's go to the hotline now. Ryan, what's up? Hey, man. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I wanted to um, say something about Abram Smith. You know, yeah, he was a beast in college, but again, that was against Big 12 defenses. And for me, you know, you got to prove yourself before we show you the money if you come out the Big 12. Um, but also, I wanted to get your point of view on Joe Brady. Like, being an LSU fan and a Saints fan, Joe Brady will always have a special, I guess, part in my heart. And um, I want your opinion on whether you think he'll ever be an OC in the league again and maybe if he can have a reunion with the Saints. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. Appreciate the call. Yeah, you know, I would brought that up a couple weeks ago. I would be a fan of Joe Brady being an OC again. I'd be a fan of him coming to the New Orleans Saints as an offensive coordinator. But it was brought to my attention, and I, I agree with it, to an, to an extent. A lot of that success in 2019 was because of Steve Emsminger for the Tigers. Joe Brady did a lot. I'm not discounting what Joe Brady was able to do at LSU. But the brainchild of that offense was Steve Emsminger. So, and, and I think you saw that a little bit when Joe Brady got to the NFL. Now, obviously, a huge jump going from a passing game coordinator in college to an offensive coordinator in the NFL. There's obviously a learning curve there. So, do I, do I think Joe Brady was given up on maybe a little too early? Yeah, I do. Um when, when Joe Brady was first fired, I took it as the Panthers know that Matt Rule is the problem, but they don't want to admit that. So they use Joe Brady as the scapegoat. So, and now, you know, you're, you're seeing what he's doing in Buffalo with Josh Allen. I'm interested to see if a team who needs an offensive coordinator, i.e., the Saints, would be willing to to take a chance on him. Bring him back to a to a system that he's familiar with. Let him kind of put his own flair on the offense. Especially if you get a new quarterback. If you move on from both Jameis and Andy Dalton and get a new quarterback, that would be an interesting concept. Now, would it would it create some more growing pains? Yeah. But as Saints fans, aren't we all used to Years and years of growing pains. Yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, James, do you, you, you have a thought on, on Joe Brady coming back as an OC? I mean, I just kind of feel like I relate to Joe Brady kind of taking that huge jump from a passing coordinator in college to being an OC in the NFL. I feel like I kind of take that type of jump where 
you look at a bunch of coaches that were hired after Sean McVay just kind of popped off in 2017 out of nowhere. It's like anytime a coach felt like even had just a lunch with Sean McVay, they were getting hired yeah. for a big time coaching position. And it was like, look, no, no discredit for Joe Brady being able to kind of help evolve that passing game. But it, it almost feels like, is that too much responsibility? Is this, It's kind of the same thing with Pete Carmichael. Does it feel like them being the guy of calling the plays and being the guy in full control of an offense feel like too much responsibility? It's the same thing with Dennis Allen. It's like, Dennis Allen, really good coordinator, has has not felt like he so, he he has been a full a full guy that's like a, fair a full point. head coach. That's a fair point. P. Carmichael, he was Oof. one of the architects for Sean Payton's offense, Oof. but Sean was always the one calling the plays. And even when Sean got suspended in 2012, P. Mark P. Carmichael stepped up. But Drew was still there. Mm-hmm. It, it was Drew was calling the plays half the time. So, yeah. so who's to say Drew didn't take up like 75, 80% of the play calls being like, I'm going to just call it. Yeah. I got it. No, that, and, and that's fair. And then um, with Joe Brady, with him only like handling just the passing game, having to handle the full on offense. It's fair. Is it, for not just a college team, handling the full offense of an NFL team. Yeah, I, I'd like to go see him. Kid, kid's still young. I'd like I'd like to see him go be an offensive coordinator in college before we started talking about him coming back as an OC in the pro ranks. I, I think he would be well suited to, to go be an OC in college. A guy that I am really starting to gravitate towards the more I think about it is Kellen Moore. I have been convinced. J- Jacob's Jacob's been that devil and, I have, and angel I on your have, shoulder. I have been convinced that I, I don't think I want him as a head coach. But if he would leave the Cowboys to take the same position with the Saints, I'd be okay with it. And that and that's where I kind of become even more skeptical because it's like, why would you leave a place that you're already comfortable with? Well, I'm not saying he would. No, I know. I'm just saying. We're we're doing hypotheticals, right? So it's like it feels like I don't, that doesn't I don't make know. too much sense. Why would you go out of your way to go somewhere else when you're already pretty comfortable where you're at to do the same exact thing? I don't know if after one failed head coaching experiment or nearly failed head coaching experiment, I want to take a flyer on an OC who's never a young OC that's never been a head coach. I, I don't know that I'd be comfortable doing that if I'm the Saints. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do. It kind of feels like you want to get an established guy and kind of have, because you know yep. you have bridge players. You, you need a bridge coach. Kind of want a bridge coach where yep. it's like you have somebody that's already been established. You kind of have them for three or four years, and then it's like, okay, you, you kind of reset yep. a little bit. Then maybe you go get somebody that's young and somebody with a lot of potential. Correct. That way you, you can kind of almost have a second Hopefully, Sean Payton. Because look, here's the thing: as much as as much as we don't want to talk about this, if the Saints win two out of the next three and finish the season winning three out of the next four, Dennis Allen will return as head coach next year. He just will. the The Saints are going to sit there and go, you know, it was a rough year, but 
you showed a lot of progress at the end. And that could be something we could build on. If we if we do the offseason right, that's something we could build on. If you win, if you beat the Browns on Saturday and then you close the season out with a win over Carolina, winning three out of the last four games, Dennis Allen will return as head coach next year. Now, if he starts next season 0-4, then, then the seat you, you, you might, might start to get a little you warm. Might, you might move on at that point. But if you finish 2022 strong, he will be back for, for 2023. Take a time out when we return. Kevin Eschenfelder, the radio voice of the Houston Cougars, will join us. We'll preview the Cougars as they prepare to take on the Louisiana Raging Cajuns this Friday in the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. You're listening to the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 48. Before you light a roaring holiday fire, make sure the flue is open. Having your house filled with smoke and the fire department dropping by is not cheerful. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time, 537 right now, and we got Kevin Eschenfelder to talk about the Houston Cougars as they're going to take on the Raging Cajuns in the Independence Bowl on Friday. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about Santa Barkley because Santa Barkley's coming to town and he's delivering $20 million in gifts this holiday season to all FanDuel customers. It doesn't matter if you've been naughty or nice. St. Chuck has something for everyone. Just check your FanDuel app for a no-sweat same-game parlays, some bonuses, and all sorts of stuff that'll fill you with holiday cheer. If you're new to FanDuel, now is the perfect time to sign up and remember to use promo code KLWB. The app is easy to use, they're always hooking you up with great promotions, and when you win, you'll get paid instantly. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook and get in on the holiday spirit with $20 million in gifts from Santa Barkley. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. Price toll is dependent on customer participation. Wager requirements apply. Gifts awarded as non-withdrawable site credit or free bets. See Fandle.com for terms and conditions. And if you got a gambling problem or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-877-770-STOP. Kevin, welcome into Crunch Time, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you guys doing? Oh, doing well, man. Thanks for asking. You know, preparing for this game on Friday, Louisiana and Houston in the Independence Bowl, Houston is a team that in, coming into the season was ranked in the top 25, projected to win the American. And then, you know, one thing led to another. They ended up 7-5. and five. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the season so far for the Cougars? Well, it was certainly a disappointing season. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, it was uh, – I'm not sure if they were uh, – I'm not – how do I put this? I'm not sure they were ever as good as people thought they were going to be. And I, I know they're not as bad as probably their record shows. They had some games in which you are what your record says you are. But, but uh, you, you know, the, just the, the little things here and there, the, the number of games that were decided on the last play or at least could have been decided on the last play, uh, they didn't get a lot of breaks in that regard. They didn't make a lot of their – I mean, I think you, I think you, you provide yourself with uh, opportunities, and I don't think they did that very well. Uh, they had very good quarterback play. They had to deal with injuries. Everybody deals with injuries, but there were a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the football. They started the season without Alton McCaskill, who uh, was one of the 
probably top five freshman running backs in the country from a year ago. So he didn't play all season long. So that certainly, I don't think that helped the offense, obviously. But it, it you know, it was certainly it was a disappointing ending uh, losing to Tulsa after they had won five of their last six before that. And yeah, so I would think that it was it was a disappointing season. I think everybody would uh, I think Dana Holgerson would be the first person to tell you that. Speaking of Dana Holgerson, he's always been an offensive-minded head coach, and his offense putting up 37 points per game this season has just really been a lot of fun to watch for the Cougars. Just kind of talk about Coach Holgerson and his offensive mindset and how, at times, it seemed to benefit the Houston Cougars this year. Well, yeah, I think it starts, and Dana would be the first person to tell you, it starts with having a quarterback that's made – but this will be his 44th start in Clayton Tune, and, and you know he's been so very good. He'll uh, he'll chase that. He's chasing down the records for the American Conference for the most touchdown passes ever. Uh, you know he's he's a guy that's it's going to be uh, he's going to probably be a guy that, that a lot of people are going to all of a sudden start talking about when they start talking about putting their draft projections down and things like that. Very good quarterback, very experienced quarterback, very smart guy. And when you've got that going for you, you got a lot of good things happening. Tank Dell is a receiver that's over 100 receptions. Uh, he's a Louisiana native coming back to play his final game there. And, and uh, you know, both of them, I, I, I was uh, – I was glad. I was glad to see both of them coming back to play one more game. They weren't going to opt out of the, the bowl game. They they were both going to come back and play. And, and uh, so those are two guys that, that that really make that offense go. The the running game has been inconsistent at best. Uh, so yeah, and, and the offensive line played much much better. They had beaten. Uh, they were down in Memphis uh, in late October. They were down thirteen points with a. a about uh, a minute 18, I think, left in the game. They won that game. They really went on a run after that and won five of their last six. And they you know, stubbed their toe against Tulsa late. But the offense was never the problem. It was the defense. I mean, they went to SMU and gave up nine touchdowns. Wait, let me see, let me get this right. Gave up seven touchdowns on seven. They gave up nine touchdowns on nine consecutive possessions. And it was just, it was, uh, it was just. Uh, it was a defense that was just banged up so bad that they really had a hard time stopping anybody. Yeah, you talked about that SMU game, a 77-63 to absolute shootout in that one. You know, you touched on Clayton Toon being a great quarterback, and there's no doubt that he is. Uh, he's also the team's leading rusher with 491 yards. Talk about some of the other skill players. You brought up Nathaniel Dell. Matthew Golden is another receiver. And then at the running back spot, Brandon Campbell and Stacy Sneed really help Clayton Toon make this offense run. Absolutely. And Brandon Campbell battled through injuries. Uh, he was a transfer from, from Southern Cal, uh, Houston kid, transferred in. Uh, he battled through injuries, and then when he couldn't go anymore, Stacy Sneed uh, really stepped in. And Stacy's a kid that was playing as a freshman and, and really, uh, really played well, runs really hard. And, and Tazon Henry is another guy who battled through injuries this season. So they had one running back. Their, their, their returning starter didn't play a single down this year. The guy who replaced him, Tejon Henry, uh, probably missed six games this year. Uh, Brandon Campbell probably missed three games. So it, it's been yeah, it's been a, a, a it's been tough to get the, the the running game going, and that wasn't on the offensive line. It's just been tough to get guys consistently get reps, and, and uh, you know then and your offense suffers when you can't run the football. I know it sounds so old school, but that's the case when you when you can't run the ball. Your offense suffers, but uh, God, 
tip of the cap to Clayton Toon. And, you know, they, uh, another Louisiana native, uh, uh, Christian Trahan, is another uh, another kid that really is a big part of this offense. He's a tight end, and uh, he's a Louisiana native coming back to play his final game there in his home state. And, and so, uh, you know, they've had some guys step up, but they've had guys that needed to step up. And, and uh, we'll see what can happen because they're going to be really tested against this Louisiana team. Uh, you know, we see Louisiana with the, what is it, 15 interceptions and 11 different guys have, have picks. So it's, it's going uh, to be quite the challenge. You know, you talked about the, the defense giving up a lot of points this season, but there are still some bright points on this defense. Who really stands out to you as leaders of the Cougars' defense? Well, DeAnthony Jones is one. They, they lost a kid named Derek Parrish, who was the national defensive player of the week after the game against Texas Tech earlier this season. He tore a pectoral muscle, and he was out for the season. This was the guy. He, he still, he, he's still listed probably in the top ten. He played four games, and he's listed in the top ten, I think, in the American Conference as far as sacks are concerned. And uh, so that gives you an idea just how good he was. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, DeAnthony Jones is a guy that you really can look to that's uh, – you know, that's a guy's edge rusher. They've had some other guys, you know, step up. Uh, Nelson Caesar is another. They're guys off the edge. Uh, they like to get upfield. They like to get after the quarterback. And, and those are two guys that can, that can make problems. Uh, lost the uh, inside linebacker, uh, you know, for the season, Malik Robinson. They've had to have other guys step up. Donovan Mooton is their leading, uh, leading tackler. And he is a, he's a veteran. He's a senior. Uh, he's a guy that's kind of that. Never very fancy, but he seems like he's always in the right place at the right time. So those are the guys that they're going to need to have step up and make plays. Kevin Eschenfelter joining us here on Crunch Time. Looking at the matchup, you know, he talked about high-powered offense for, for Houston, a good defense for the Cajuns. What stands out to you about the matchup on the field, and who do you think this game benefits? Well, I think that, uh, first of all, I think the weather can certainly play a factor. It's not it's supposed to be. Uh, it's supposed to be clear, but it's supposed to be extremely cold. This is going to be, uh, if not the coldest game Houston has ever played, it's probably going to be the second coldest kickoff temperature uh, ever ever at the University of Houston. They've been playing football since 1947. So, uh, you know, how is that going to affect the, the, the passing game? Because that's, I'm sure, what the Cougars are going to want to do. They're going to want to put the ball through the air. Is that going to affect Clayton soon, his grip? You know how uh, – guys will have trouble gripping a hard football on days like that so i think that could be a factor uh certainly it's not supposed to be it's not supposed to be snow or or ice but it's certainly supposed to be extremely cold so we'll see how that plays out how that plays out with receivers uh but you know what they're all playing on the same field they're all playing in the same temperatures they're all pretty much from the same region of the country and so um not like somebody uh somebody's going to be i don't think you ever get used to that no matter where you're from yeah, there's there's no there's no way to get used to that, especially here in the South when you're used to 90 degree temperatures in the summer. When you when you see a two as the high, it's kind of a struggle for for us. Yeah. But you yeah. know, looking still at this matchup, it's the tenth time in history that the Cajuns and Cougars will play each other. Uh, it's the first time since 2006 that they will meet on the football field. It's a good regional matchup that the Independence Bowl is a fan of, and I'm sure the Houston fan base is a fan of this matchup as well as the Cajuns. Yeah, I agree, and it's something you know. It's it's two schools what within about three and a half hours of one another, and uh, you know then playing each other neutral site, but four hours away from Houston. I know, and uh, yeah, so it's it's a place where the fan bases can get to. I don't know how big of a crowd there's going to be with the weather. Uh, it's going to be maybe one of those where people. 
uh, decide to watch this one on television given the, the temperatures that I'm seeing. But, uh, you know, hey, it's, it's, it should be a fun matchup, and, and we're hoping uh, you know both teams play well. And, you know, on my side, hoping for the University of Houston victory. like to see a guy like Clayton Toon go out a winner. You know, he's given a lot to this program and, and done a lot over the last uh, – last five years six years so we'd like to see that but uh, just hoping for a good game and lastly wrapping up what are the keys to victory for the cougars to lift that independence bowl trophy well i, I think it's you know with the houston it's not going to be about scoring points i think it's going to be about having to, to step up and, and and take something away uh you know i, I know I know Louisiana's had some problems as far as, you know, keeping their quarterbacks healthy and things like that. And, and you know, number of stat you've got a quarterback that's played, what, seven games, but still a very good quarterback and probably get some pressure on him. And uh, whoever, you know, it's going to be, it sounds so trivial, but, uh, you know, whoever doesn't make the mistakes usually comes out on top. And, and uh, whoever forces them usually does as well. So we'll see how it plays out. And, uh, that's, that's probably going to be one of the big keys is who, who's going to make who puts the ball on the ground, who throws it to the wrong team. Those are the kind of things in, in games like this that usually stand out. Kevin Ashenfelder of AT&T Sportsnet in Houston and also the radio voice for the Houston Cougars joining us here on the game hotline. Kevin, appreciate you as always. Safe travels to Shreveport, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. All right. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas to you as well. And there he goes, Kevin Ashenfelder of AT&T Sportsnet in Houston. Before we take a timeout, quick tidbit here. Uh, college basketball, number 15 Mississippi State falls to unranked Drake. Now, you're wondering, Matt, why are you bringing that up? Well, I'm bringing it up because if you look at the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns, their one loss this season is a six-point loss. To Drake. And you, you, you heard a lot of people after that loss talk about how, oh, it was a bad loss. You know, Drake can't be that good. Well, maybe not such a bad loss. Might not be as bad of a loss as some people thought it was. Just saying. Take a time out, wrap up today's show after this, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Helpful holiday tip number 60. Debating whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not is pointless. Die Hard is awesome. So go ahead and sit back and watch John McClane kick butt. This helpful holiday tip is brought to you by your family at the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Help them pets with that Dynavite, bah! Back here on Crunch Time, 555. Two minutes left in today's show. Got to give a shout-out. We love shouting out local businesses here on this program. Man, if you have not had Pizza Artista, you should probably change that, like, for dinner tonight. It's some of the best local pizza around. You can go in, create your own. They have a m- hundred toppings. That's it's like exaggeration. Subway, but, but it, for it, pizza. It, right. It literally is. It's Subway, but pizza. Literally, you can pick. They have different kinds of crust. They have different sauces you can put, different cheeses, different toppings. They've got these. They, they've got sauces that they can drizzle on top of it, including steamed syrup. I mean, it, it's it's so good. Go see them on Johnston Street in Time Plaza. 
for a fantastic pizza experience here in Lafayette. Final wrap-up on the poll question. Are you concerned with the Pelicans' loss, their fourth straight loss? So far, 61% say no, they'll be fine. 22% say that they're falling apart. 17% say kind of, but not really. They'll be fine. It's an 82-game season. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. Shout-out to Alex Anstead and Kevin Eschenfelder for joining us. Tomorrow, Jay Walker, Brendan Ertle, how are you going to miss? You can't miss it. Four to six for James Mesh. I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well. Hug your mom and them, and we will see you tomorrow right here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros, Tiger Rag Radio is next.